Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Up Night Nation is finally a game week to speak about as UCF game number one out on the road in the ATL. The guys from the 407 heading to the 404 UCF and Georgia Tech week as we welcome you in here to our two nights one podcast as along with me Scott Adams it is the former night standout and 10 year NFL veteran that's the dues Leger Doosable is all right dues we had our preview show a week ago but now it's the nitty gritty let's get down to business it is game week and that being said UCF here They've watched now Georgia Tech with one game under their belt. But before we take a look here at, at Georgia Tech and UCF in the preview of this game, what was it about that, that first initial week leading into a season that was always so special for a player? I think one spot is that you finally get to see somebody in a different uniform. You've been beating up people on your team for a month and a half. In UCF's case, it seems like two months, which is an extended camp period. And now you're just ready to take it out on another team. There's so much excitement going on. I think I'm more excited than the players because <laughs> college football is back. And more importantly, UCF football is back. Well, I think the youth, uh, the UCF faithful have your exact sentiments, as I know Night Nation is ready to get set for this 30, uh, 3.30 kickoff coming your way on Saturday. So what's to come today on our Two Nights, One Podcast Well, on today's show, we will take a look back there at that victory for Georgia Tech against Florida State. How about UCF's mentality entering game number one? We'll welcome in former Georgia Tech standout, that being Derek Morgan. We'll get his thoughts. We'll get Deuce's keys to Saturday's game for UCF, as well as a little bit of coach speak from the Deuce. So, dudes, all right, before we get anything here started between UCF and Georgia Tech, give me a memorable pregame oddity that you could remember that a teammate used to do that was just out of this world, kind of crazy, wacko, and you just kind of you put your eyebrow up and said, eh, oh, that, that, that's kind of odd. You got anything like that? Yeah, Scott, I got one for you, and it was actually not a teammate of mine. It was... John Henderson, he actually left Jacksonville Jaguars the year before I got here. And I know people have seen the video of it, him getting slapped by one of the head trainers from Jacksonville to get ready for the game. And it was so crazy because the guy slapped him the first time. He was like, come on, that ain't enough. Give me another one. He got slapped again, and the blood literally was leaking out of his mouth. He was like, that's what I'm talking about. If you're going to slap somebody, you slap them. You need the blood to run out of their mouth. And this is what got this guy going Week in and week out. So that right there was one of the most memorable pregame 
rituals that I've seen in my lifetime. Did that do anything for you at all about getting Jesus? Nah, you shot me in the face. It's gonna be a fight. Uh, he was <laughs> he he was another type of cat. That that is definitely for sure. All right, dudes. So last week, Georgia Tech, they go to Tallahassee and they get, you know, inside their locker room, they would tell you that was not a surprise victory, but they go out on the road against uh, against Florida State in Tallahassee. They walk away with a 16 to 13 win and freshman, true freshman quarterback Jeff Sims was able to make an impression on the day. What was special about performance and what what caught your eye about Georgia Tech there in that victory well you just stated a quarterback freshman quarterback at that Jeff Sims coming in as a true freshman and starting a lot of people didn't know who would start for Georgia Tech Jeff Collins to go decides to go ahead and put his guy of the future in from game one versus Florida State and he did not disappoint there's a reason why he was a four-star recruit number six dual threat quarterback in the nation Number 22 overall player in the state of Florida. And me, you know, this got, you know, football is kind of bred here in Florida. There's so many different athletes. And for him to be ranked number 22 in all of Florida means a lot. But for him to just go in in a hostile environment, and yes, the fans weren't as loud as they usually are. You know, the capacity was, I think, just under like 17,000 fans there. But for him to go on the road, his, his first game as a true freshman and command that office, yes. He had two interceptions in the first half, but for him to bounce back, a lot of freshmen would go in the tank after that, especially throwing two two interceptions in the first half. But he stayed calm. He stayed collective. He played within the offense and it was very efficient, not only throwing the ball, but rushing the ball, too. He actually led Georgia Tech in rushing last week versus Florida State. I think first and foremost, your freshman quarterback coming in and getting a big victory on the road and and, and conference play is very impressive to me. And that defense, something that Jeff Collins is known for, that defense played with his hair on fire. Curtis Ryan, the, the young defensive end for them, two sacks, was the defensive lineman, all, uh, the defensive lineman in the ACC this past week. And they have a, a lot of defensive linemen that can get after it, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. They have athletic quarterback uh, linebackers. David Curry, a guy I feel like it's been there for almost a decade. And Quest Jackson, to me, is their best defensive player, a guy that can play run, can play the pass, had an interception, led the team in tackles last week. This defense is a really good defense, and the Knights have a challenge this week. Yeah, that Tech defense on the day forcing three turnovers, three sacks. This was not something they got in year number one. You talk about Jeff Collins, known as the Minister of Mayhem. He's got that defensive background. And I think the biggest difference from year one to year two, at least here through this first game, is that that line of scrimmage and creating... Uh, almost that that level of physicality there at the point of attack that maybe wasn't there last year. Because as you know, they had that that huge transition of of moving away from the triple the triple option attack now to this spread pro style offense, at least on uh, the offensive side of the ball. But then also getting the defensive tendencies and the defensive looks that you want to be able uh, uh, to have your guys perform and, and do. And I think that was was on display against Florida State. Yeah, exactly, Scott. And like anything, when a new coach comes in, it takes a few years to implement your system to get your players to buy in and also just to get the players that you want into the system. So we see that in in year from year one to two, how the system is grown, the players are buying into it and we get contributions 
from some of his recruits like Jeff Sims that come in as a true freshman quarterback and really run the offense that is tailored to what Jeff Collins wants. The defense is always going to be good because that's what Jeff Collins is known for. But it's one thing to get your players to buy in. And it seems like in year two, compared to last year, that his players are really brought in to that defensive scheme and they're humming right now. Yeah, a year ago, they had the second smallest senior class in the nation. However, here in 2020, they return 84% of the production on the field, which is tied going into this season, number one in the nation. So from year one now to year two here under Jeff Collins, noticeable difference there in game number one. All right, dudes, so game number one here for UCF. And that being said... You know, is there any sort of benefit for for UCF, this coaching staff, for these these players being able to get first looks here at Georgia Tech, whereas GT, they haven't seen UCF, even though this night offense and defense, for the most part, is, is going to be the same here in 2020? Yes, Scott, I think it's a slight benefit only because we got to see what Georgia Tech was going to roll, who they're going to roll out there at quarterback. A lot of people didn't know that they would have the true freshman rollout as the starting quarterback. But also, as you stated before, you know, this group has been together for, for almost going, going on three years now. So Georgia Tech has film from what we did last year. We only lost a few players. Uh, predominantly, most of our roster has come back. So they kind of know our schemes. But me and you talked about this off the camera. From week to week, you know, schemes and, and things change. Like, one week, Randy Shannon might run more of a 4-3 front. He might run a 3-4 hybrid front the next week. And then Hypo, he might run a lot of slants and, and out routes. And then from the, the next week going forward, he can run some zone read option off of that with the quarterback being able to, to keep the ball or throw a quick slant or a post route. So you never know. You just have to, to, to be able to adjust on the run. Just like in anything in life, you got to be able to, to, to adjust as the game goes on because – from first quarter to second quarter to third quarter, there's going to be changes throughout the game because things that you put into place for that game week may not work, and do you have to change up the script? So teams just have to adjust offensively and defensively. Well, another another why is 2020 so different than any other year in the, in the history of college football here in this this COVID era that that we're dealing with? A lot of schools, Georgia Tech, even UCF, game number one typically for for a lot of teams is against those FCS opponents or a a lower level BCS opponent. And, And when you do have those sorts of opponents, you're not always, as a coaching staff, always going to throw your entire playbook out there onto the field for your week two opponent to be able to see where that's not the case now here with this adjusted scheduling where you're not getting the same amount of games. Georgia Tech wanted to win the game. They threw out Jeff Sims, who it was a question mark for Florida State, who was going to be the starting quarterback to, to enter game number one. That's a little different now here for UCF. I think I think for the most part, this coaching staff believes that Jeff Sims, based on what he was able to do there in game number one, he's he's the guy that we're scouting for. And Georgia Tech threw a lot of what their playbook would regular be uh, regularly be against ACC opponents. They're against Florida State and ACC opponent. Yeah, I think Georgia Tech did a, a magnificent job of getting Jeff Sims out there and doing stuff that he really felt comfortable with. Quick slant passes, uh, a couple of verts that they, they threw his way, way four verticals, 
Um, also, they gave him some reads where he could take off with the ball, a couple quarterback runs. These are things that he does. He's an athletic quarterback. Like I said, number six dual threat quarterback in the nation. So Georgia Tech was smart by getting there. They felt like Jeff Sims gave them the best opportunity to win. So they put them out, put him out there early, and they really made him comfortable in the game. And also, Florida State aided that by not, you know, taking advantage of some of those those turnovers they had early. They, they just scored off the first one. The second one, they gave the ball right back to Georgia Tech. That's something that you can't do when you're playing a, a young quarterback because he gains confidence in that. And that's something that UCF really needs to hone in on it and pay attention to the game from last week versus Florida State. If you get the ball, you get a turnover, you need to go capitalize and score on that. That way, the freshman quarterback's playing behind the eight ball. As Leger Duzable mentioned, this UCF team, for the most part, now three years in here. This is year number three of, of Josh Heupel, and the meat of this roster returns. And at the offensive side of the ball, what returns is that quarterback who was so special a year ago, true freshman, Dylan Gabriel, was one of the best in terms of, of rookie quarterbacks in the nation. 29 touchdowns, 3,600 yards. Dudes, if we go into the Wayback Time Machine from a season ago, vastly different going into 2019 in terms of who the quarterback was going to be for the Knights this year. That's not the case. He is entrenched, and from year one to year two, that's where we see that the biggest difference for for quarterbacks, for for any player, uh, uh, mind you, but Dylan Gabriel here in year number two, his football team. Yeah, definitely, Scott. And it's almost like a reversal of what Georgia Tech did this year. Like, that's how UCF was last year. Nobody knew who the starting quarterback was going to be. After Daryl Mack went down with the injury, everybody thought he would be the successor to, to Mackenzie Milton after he got injured, but then that didn't happen. Daryl Mack gets hurt in the offseason. We don't know. Is Brandon Wimbush going to be the quarterback? Is, is Dylan Gabriel going to be the quarterback? Well, you know, Wimbush started the season, but D- Dylan Gabriel took the reins and he never relinquished them. So this year, it's a lot different. It's kind of like when Mackenzie Milton ended up being the starting quarterback a few years back when a lot of people thought he shouldn't be the, the quarterback just yet, and he took the reins and never relinquished them. And in his second year, all he did was take UCF to his first undefeated season and also a trip to the Peach Bowl with a win over Auburn. So I look for Dylan Gabriel to do the same thing. Well, year number one to two, what's for certain is the game is going to slow down for DG and his new quarterback coach, that being Joey Hazel here for UCF. He's been in this system. He's been with Coach Hype for a while. He and the rest of this coaching staff have now been able to see such a difference from year one to year two as we enter this first game. He's excited. He wants to take everything to the next level of understanding, and that's what's taking his game on the field to the next level of play where he's earlier with the ball than he used to be. He's not late and then trying to rip it in there. He's seeing windows, he's anticipating, and he's driving footballs all over the field. It's, it's actually really exciting to watch everything we're doing in the classroom carry over to the football field right now. That being quarterback coach Joey Hazel and Dylan Gabriel now here entering 2020 as the main cog. Defensively here, dudes, and something you can attest to as the, the defensive stalwart there, that, that, that front four or front three, depending on you know who you were playing with. But in terms of the trenches and this defensive front for UCF here uh, in 2020, again, Veteran leadership across the board. We've got so many guys that even as as younger players from a season ago, they got valuable reps. 
and Randy Charlton, Anthony Montalvo, Kenny Tunye, along there with Tremont Morris Brash. A lot of guys played a lot of football a season ago, and this defense is just as stacked as the offense is in terms of, of vets. No, no question, Scott. I, I think the defensive line is the deepest group on the team, and we said that last year, and we really only lost one guy in Brandon Hayes. I'm looking for this defensive line to take over games and not depend on the veteran leadership we got at the linebacking position and at the safety position. We have All-American uh, Richie Grant at safety. We have three linebackers that have played a ton of football in uh, Eric Gillier, Eric Mitchell, and, and Bethune, but, and Tatum Bethune. But this defensive line is stacked. We go about eight deep, maybe nine deep. You just named some of the a few guys, Anthony Montavo, Kenny Tungye, Randy Charlton, who was banged up a little bit last year and comes back after a stellar freshman year. Morris Brash had a stellar freshman year. He comes back and is a starter. Stefan Zay is a guy that a lot of people didn't know going into last year would have valuable time and, and, and started a lot of games for us. He's, I've heard he's looked really great in camp, so I'm really excited to play him. Landon Woodson is another guy that started off the year on fire and kind of tailed off towards the end of the year, but I'm looking for him to take another step. So we have these guys, Noah Hancock, Cam Good, guys that have got valuable time. Our defensive line is deep, and they should wear on team. There's a reason why we were a top team in tackle for losses last year. I'm looking for us to pick up where we left off last year. Well, dudes, you can attest to it. We saw it a season ago on the sidelines. Nobody fires up people better, maybe, on those sidelines than defensive line coach Shane Burnham. And he, too, he's excited about his, uh, his guys up front leading into the Georgia Tech game. I feel like with all the depth we have coming back, some guys who are making that transition cam good, uh, drop, Landon Woodson going from year one to year two, that's a big jump. Excited to see what those guys do. Certainly the older guys, Kenny and Monty. Um, you know, they've been in the defense. Uh, Chris Deloach, you know, second year in the defense. A lot of depth. The offseason development you miss at that position, the strength gains, and some of the things you want to see from changes of bodies of young guys, right? I guess the good news is we're in the same boat as everybody else across the country. But probably that's what you missed the most was that development in the weight room and missing spring ball. But fortunate. A lot of guys played in this defense last year. And uh, so I'm excited. I think we're in a good spot. We're healthy. That's number one. We've got healthy bodies going into this first game. And I feel like we have enough numbers where I'm going to have a pair and a spare, as you, know, you and I have talked about, where I'm going to have two guys, a two deep everywhere, and then I'm going to have a fifth guy at least that I can roll at the tackle spot and uh, at the end spot, if not a sixth guy. And it was last year we played a lot of guys. Defensive line coach Shane Burnham, that night defense a season ago would lead the nation with nine tackles for a loss per game. They were very good. UCF as a whole defensively dues. They were top 40 nearly all season long. But I, I know that, that this is something not just the coaching staff wants to see and what some of those players want to see. They want to see better production on third downs in the red zone along with generating more turnovers, something that we saw in 2018, did not get as many in 2019. Yeah, Scott, and, then, and there's an old saying that goes – in coaching, if you win the red zone, if you win the turnover battle, most likely you're going to win the game. And that's something that UCF defense has to pick up in, in 2020. Like you said, the year before, we did really well. 2019, not so much. If you can stop teams in the red zone from scoring touchdowns or holding them for, to field goal attempts, you're, you're above the eight ball. And then uh, adversely, if you win the turnover battle, I would say I think the percentage is 
like 85% that you're going to win the game. It's usually astronomical if you don't win the turnover battle that you rarely not win the game. So UCF needs to win the turnover battle this Saturday. And also we have to be elite in the red zone. On offense and defense and offense, we can't set up for field goal attempts. And on defense, we got to hold people to field goal attempts. Well, we'll get to some more of Deuce's keys to Saturday's game still to come. But let's go ahead now and turn our attention to maybe a Georgia Tech perspective. We're happy to welcome in former All-American defensive end at Georgia Tech, that being Derek Morgan, played in the league for almost 10 years, the 16th overall pick by Tennessee. And if I got this right here, Derek, the ACC Player of the Year and First Team All-American in what was the last conference championship team at Georgia Tech. Is that is that correct, right? Yeah, so ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I wish I was the overall player of the year, but uh, yeah, minor correction there. But yeah, definitely the last championship team to go through Tech, and um, we're looking to change that this year. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll get to Tech here in just a second, but before before we start here, and I asked this to do's when we began the show, give me, and you don't have to name any names by any means, but... What was the wildest or weirdest pregame hype or ritual that a teammate did prior prior to a game that, that you can recall here off the top of your head? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, I, don't, I, I don't even want to call it a ritual, but it was – you said pregame, it, it triggered it in my mind. Um, so my former teammate, Michael Johnson, he, he also played about a decade in the year uh, in the league. And um, we had the bright idea – uh, before our first game in 2008, uh, to take this supplement that his mom gave him, it was like a herb or something, and it was like this is supposed to help you with stamina, blah 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 blah, and so you'll be good for the game. And we're you know it's August or early September in, in Georgia, the humidity is ridiculous, and whatever this supplement was did not help. And uh, we had, Mike and we both, I never cramped in my life, and I had extreme cramping throughout the whole game. Mike couldn't even finish the game. <laughs> so that was like an experience that was like, oh, hey, I got this from my mom. Let's let's take this. All right, cool. Let's do it. And so here we are, you know, first quarter cramping, and both both starting defensive ends are out. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience, man. But, um, you know, my pregame rituals was just probably too much five-hour energy in Red Bull um, which which probably wasn't good for uh, you know my heart, <laughs> my health, but um, that's that's usually kind of what what it consisted of, uh, you know, little, little dancing here and there. Whoever had the you know the radio on or whatnot, but uh, nothing too crazy, man. It, it's funny that you bring up five hours because I know we we used to take that when we were playing. Derek, I was telling Scott off the camera that that is something that I literally took. Um, I would say my first seven eight years playing in the NFL. And they used to have me so amped up that sometimes I would actually throw up before games. Did that ever actually ever happen to you? Uh, I would I would cough and then just throw up because I was just so geeked on the five hour energy. Willie Beeman, nah, I never do. <laughs> I never do. Nah, you know I I looked I looked into like the ingredients. I was like, it's probably not the best thing to take, but it was like it got the job done. Um, yeah, I, I bro, I seen. I seen crazy stuff like people taking shots, right? Of like, to, like of Patron, like mixing it with Five Hour and Red Bull, like just crazy concoctions, right? But like, I never had no, 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 no. You know, I, I never talked to Mister Earl before the game, 
Uh, <laughs> but uh, I could definitely see how that could have affected you. Oh, okay. Well, Derek Morgan, former defensive end at Georgia Tech. And, and Derek, I'm guessing you were quite pleased with the performance this past Saturday against Florida State. And so here, leading into to game number two, what impressed you most about, about Georgia Tech and maybe more specifically about Georgia Tech uh, or uh, about uh, Jeff Collins, who actually recruited you many moons ago? Yeah, I mean, we just have an uncanny ability to uh, play well against Florida teams. So hopefully we keep that trend up uh, here in the coming weeks. Um, but I was I was most impressed by the resiliency that they showed. Um, I think they might have had three, you know, three kicks blocked, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's hard to overcome. That's like a turnover, right? And, like, there's all types of, you know, uh, statistics that relate to, like, okay – you know, every block kick that you have or a turnover that you have, your your chances of winning the game significantly drop. And so I think for them to stick it out and, you know, turn it around and overcome those the, that early adversity just really points to the, the grit and the resiliency of that team. And, you know, Coach Collins, as you pointed out, like he was, you know, he was like the mastermind behind that 2007 Georgia Tech recruiting class, which was one of the all-time greats, um, you know, in – I really think that he has brought that that culture, that recipe of like galvanizing guys together around the common goal, uh, you know, to the forefront. And you're, you're seeing the results of that. Hopefully, I mean, it's only one game, right? But we're hoping that you know we, we, they continue that trend. Yeah, Derek. Speaking of Jeff Collins, uh, Scott just said it that he recruited you back in 2008. What do you think it is about him where he gets players playing at an all-time high level? Because you just said that you thought that he was an intricate piece as, as to why you guys made that conference championship run. What do you think it is in year two from year one that he already has those players playing at a high level and got them believing that they could actually have a chance to win the conference? Uh, he does a great job of storytelling, man, and, and, and really painting the picture of like, okay, this is what it could be. Like, we just need buy-in, right? I think that's the biggest thing that we had as a class back in those seven was and I'm coming from Pennsylvania, amongst other you know schools like Ohio, Penn State, Miami, like you know like big contenders. And it's like, why Georgia Tech? And there was like this really like this secret sauce of camaraderie, man. That um that I think that he kind of taps into. I know we had it amongst the recruiting class, and I was very close knit, like very close with much of the guys that were a part of that class. And just from talking to some of the guys on the team now and, and, you know, having some zoom calls and whatnot and just understanding the culture, it seems like the team is very close and they have a very, you know, high level of camaraderie and buy-in for like what the culture that, you know, coach Collins is trying to perpetuate. And so I think it's a real, um, you know, real big value you know, that he brings to the, to the squad and, and it's, and it's paying dividends. Well, Knight fans, no stranger to Jeff Collins as he was once on a UCF coaching staff uh, back in the, the late mid-2000s. And so now here entering this this UCF game, what do you think scares maybe that Georgia Tech defense most about facing off against this Knight offense that was one of the best in the nation, not just last year, but the past two seasons? Oh, uh, I think I think really we just got to play a disciplined game. And, you know, I think what I what I what I was really excited to see was the amount of pressure that was that was um, generated on the quarterback. Right. And so I think that that really helped out 
the secondary, like pass rush and coverage go hand in hand, right? And so I think being able to be disruptive at the line of scrimmage is really going to dictate the success you know, of the offense and really the success of the defense. And so I think if we're able to generate pressure like, you know, like I've seen and really get disruptive plays from our front seven, you know, that's going to pay, that's going to definitely pay dividends and, and help us be successful uh, on defense, you know, and just playing an overall, you know, sound game. And so I'm hoping that I see some, some more of that disruptive, you know, force uh, at, at the front seven and, you know, we'll see, we'll see where the cards fall. Yeah, Derek, I know you were watching the game because I was following your tweets as the game was going on. And you talked about that defensive front that you guys had that was creating havoc in the backfield. Curtis Ryan is a, is a young guy that came off the edge for you guys. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, kind of shades of Derek Morgan from, from back in the day. Uh, what, what do you think this D-line can potentially do? Because uh, they had some players that didn't even play. Um, there were undisclosed reason. Uh, I think Antonius didn't play, and he's supposed to be the starter. He transferred from Florida. Um, what do you think this D-line can do versus this UCF offensive line, who, for the most part, without two starters, mostly everybody coming back and has played a lot of snaps? Yeah, I mean, as you know, dudes, it, it all comes down to winning your one-on-one battles, right? So I think if, if, if a guy has a chance to, you know, go one-on-one, like that was the ultimate goal of a D-lineman was to win that matchup, right? Because we don't, you know, there's all types of chips and double teams and slide protection. So there's a lot of elements that go into rushing the passer. But when you have that opportunity to beat the guy in front of you one-on-one, you got to win. And so I, what I what I liked was it seemed like a – the D line was very polished. Like I seen cross chops. I seen oh, yeah. you know, bad chops, long arms in, into the inside counter. So like, I was like, dang, like, you know, I think they're, they're actually D line coaches. Um, I forget, his name's slipping me right now, but he was like, I think he was a pro. Um, somebody might want to Google that real quick, but I think that that's, that's showing up, man. Technique shows up, um, you know, when all else, when all else fails. And so I seen a lot of technique, at the line of scrimmage that was really, you know, paying off. And so I'm encouraged by that, man. Um, I think that's something that's been, you know, somewhat missing from, from, from the, from the tech defense. And so to see that it's going to help, you know, contribute to the overall success. He's on Twitter at D Morg, D M O R G 91. He is Derek Morgan, former Georgia tech. Great. And also the pride of Coatesville, Pennsylvania, and, and Derek, if you could maybe just share with, with both our audience, you know, UCF along with the Georgia Tech family, some of the things that, that you're currently involved with that, that maybe people should know about. I uh, retired a little over a year ago, really simultaneously transitioned into a real estate, you know, development career. And so a lot of what we do is very focused around community, you know, development. And how can we go into different communities and create create meaningful opportunities for underserved areas, right, where a lot of the resources don't typically, um, you know, trickle down to. And so what we've been doing is I started back in my hometown of Coatesville. Um, we're, we're building a sports complex and food and retail hall um, right at the uh, really at the main 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 intersection of my hometown leveraging you know different tax incentives and bringing different parties to the table and so what we've been trying to do is you know essentially create a model that we can take from city to city uh in the most you know distressed underserved overlooked areas to try to create positive change right so 
that's what we that's what I've been busy with. We've got some projects going, you know, in my hometown down here in Nashville and Atlanta. And so that's really what takes up my, my day to day. He's Derek Morgan and his Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets gonna be welcoming in the Knights at three thirty. Dues in closing, what we got for Derek? Man, Derek, we just want to appreciate you for coming on and, and speaking with me and Scott. Um, great player on the field, man, but even a better man off the field. But just to leave you with this, that you know you guys are getting smacked Saturday, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Nah, you heard exactly what I said. <laughs> I, <thought that. laughs> I, I couldn't hear that nonsense you was talking. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know you're getting smacked, man. Nah, we really do appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, call me after we sign off. We can put something on it. All right, sounds good. All right, y'all, take it easy. Well, we want to thank Derek Morgan for spending a couple minutes with us. And, and I mean, a couple defensive linemen here <laughs> on our, our our two nights, one podcast. As I know that you and he played in the league at the same time. A, a special dude, Derek Morgan, isn't he? Yeah, a special guy. We were teammates for one year. And, and it sucks because that year I thought we were going to play at a high level together, I ended up tearing my pec. The only time I've actually ever been injured in football. So missed the whole year that year. But he's always been a close friend of mine. He's a great dude, doing a lot of good stuff off the field since retiring. And he's just an amazing guy. Dudes, though, a silver lining, because as I recall, that that one year in Tennessee is when you started picking up the uh, broadcast mic. It really is. So, like, the year I tore my pec, it was a blessing in disguise. I know a lot of people would be like, how is tearing your pec a a blessing in disguise? (laughs) But I was really able to dive into the passion that, you know, happens to be my career now, which is broadcasting. And then Tennessee was the first time I really got a, a major opportunity to work for an NBC affiliate, affiliate. I did some NFL Network uh, that season. Also, I was able to work with the team doing interviews uh, post and pregame and writing blogs for the team. So my, my love for broadcasting really took off the year I got hurt. Yeah, that's solid. And Derek Morgan, a, a former teammate there of Leger Doosable in Tennessee. All right, Deuce, let's get to it. Let's get to some keys for Saturday for a night victory. This the fourth overall meeting between the schools. We haven't faced off since 2000. George O'Leary uh, was, on, was on that staff. As I know Coach O'Leary is going to be recognized at halftime, maybe prior to the game as well. He's going to go into the Georgia Tech Hall of Fame here uh, in Atlanta on, on Saturday. But let's get to what it's going to take for a, a night team to go there into ACC country and get a victory. Well, first and foremost, the guy that we've been talking about most of the show, Jeff Sims, we have to contain this guy. And I'm looking at the defensive ends for the UCF Knights. If you look back last week versus Florida State, Jeff Sims broke the pocket a lot of times and not just ran for first downs. He bided time to be able to throw the ball down the field to those big receivers that he has. So the defensive ends, I'm looking at Morris Brass. I'm looking at Stephon Zayas, Randy Charlton, Landon Woodson. These guys have to keep contained on Jeff Sims. And when I say keep contained, I'm not saying rush timid because you can't rush timid. If you have a chance to to take a shot at him and get him down, you do that. But you want to attack the upfield shoulder because if you miss this guy, he's going to hurt you with his legs and potentially hurt the defense all day long. Yeah, get that freshman quarterback into some negative plays early on, first down, second down, and then let's see how let's see how cerebral he is. You know, the game comes fast, and there's still a lot for him uh, to be able to learn. As as good as he was there in that second half a a week ago. 
Yeah, definitely, Scott. And the thing we talked about off camera is he was so comfortable in that game last week. Even though he had the two interceptions in the first half, the game was never out of balance because they were down by at most 10 points. So the thing is, we got to contain this guy, see if we can can jump on them early, go up a couple of scores, be up like 14, not just 10, and see how he plays from behind. Because last week versus Florida State, you know, the kicker missed a few kicks, actually got blocked. But the offense was still moving really well, so he still had his confidence. We got to see how he plays with 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 a big lead, with, with not having a big lead, or like UCF going up 14 points. See how he responds to that as a true freshman quarterback. Offensively, dudes, this Georgia Tech defense is going to go have to go up against one of the best offenses in the nation. How will they be able? to react to that 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 tempo how will they be able to react to that UCF Josh Heupel offense what's a couple of keys here offensively for the Knights well I think the key word is balance Scott you know we're known as UCF fast because we score so fast but I think we have to to be balanced in our in our rushing game and our passing game and, and more specifically our rushing game you know we lost Adrian Killens last last year but we still have majority of our running backs coming back and we have to be balanced. we got to be able to run the ball. That way we don't get Dylan Gabriel in third and long situations. I'm looking at the running backs. we got Otis Anderson coming back. Greg McCray, who was banged up for a little bit last year. A guy that can do everything, catch the ball in the backfield, run between tackles. And to me, the, the, the biggest guy that we really need this this Sunday, uh, this Sunday, Saturday is Ventavious Thomas. This guy has NFL-type talent. Can he run in between the tackles? He showed promise last year. I want to see him take that next step this year in the UCF offense. So having balance in, in Josh Heupel's offense, I think, will go a long way for us having success on offense as a whole this Saturday. How balanced was that UCF offense a season ago? 224 y- uh, yards on the ground, 316 through the air this night offense, second in the nation in terms of total offense per game and we look to get things going 330 from Atlanta UCF and Georgia Tech game number one all right dudes before we close up shop here on two nights one podcast it's time for a little coach speak with the dudes every week we finish out these uh, episodes with something a coach has told the dudes throughout his his college career, or maybe it was his professional career that it was maybe motivational, or maybe it was just kind of uh, that's that's actually kind of funny. So, dudes, what do we got this week? So it's simple, Scott. Everybody wants to win, but you have to have the mentality where you refuse to lose. And that's not just the game. That's on every single snap, every play, every series. You have to have the mentality where you refuse to lose. So UCF definitely needs to have that mentality going into a hostile environment this week on the road in Atlanta versus Georgia Tech. Refuse to refuse to lose. I like that, dudes. And that's a pretty good note to uh, end things on. Hey, remember, and this is something Coach Heupel said earlier on this week, you got to be able to create your own sort of energy and up there mm-hmm. on the road where there, yes, there will be a certain amount of, of, of crowd that will be available nowhere near what a ACC or even in the, the bounce house would be, but you got to create your own energy. So be it there on the sidelines or internally. And as coach Heupel said, dudes, if you're juiceless, you're, you're useless, baby. Greatest quote ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, dudes, we'll see you up uh, on the, well, I should say this. We won't be on the sidelines. We will be up in the booth. Again, 2020 is going to be different for for fans. It's going to be different for, for broadcasters as well. But I can't wait to uh, see this version of the Knights coming up on Saturday. Yes, Scott, looking forward to it. Like you said, it will be different. 2020, we're used to being on the sideline, you and me, but we'll be up in the booth this week per ACC rules. But we'll be there calling the game as the Knights take on Georgia Tech. Another episode, two nights, one podcast in the books. We invite you to make sure that you subscribe, like this, Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you find your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And dudes, go Knights. Charge on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.